that doesn't have to be like this. All we need to do is make sure we keep talking. Mayday, Mayday. Wonder why they call it Mayday. Hey? The distress call. Wonder why it's Mayday. It's only a bank holiday. <laughs> why not Shrove Tuesday or Ascension Sunday? <laughs> Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday. <laughs> the 15th Wednesday after Pentecost. It's French, you doink. Mayday. Help me. Mayday. Is that right? Simon, how you doing? Hello, I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Still staying sane. I'm actually finding it quite enjoyable not going to work, to be honest. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting in uh, in the UK, isn't it? Yes, was it? It was. It was the Greek, wasn't it, who said, um, "May your life be full of interesting times." It's Chinese. Chinese. I thought it was Greek. Proverb that is. No, it's oh. Chinese proverb. May you, may you no, live, in, may interesting you live times. in interesting times. That was it. Yeah. And now mm. we know what that actually means. Yeah. It's, this is interesting times. Yeah, because before <laughs> we never really understood what that proverb meant, and now we're fully aware of what it means. Indeed. But anyway, hello, listeners. Yes. Welcome to this week's weekly Revelation Station podcast Keep Talking, this is episode 4 And for those of you keeping up with our drinking habits I'm currently on a very fine Merlot And I'm once again drinking a nice cold water, I've just finished a cup of tea. God, you're so sober How do you manage to mm. live life sober? I know you don't do it constantly because I go to the pub with you, or did go to the <laughs> pub with you um, but yeah. um, mind you, you've got children, haven't you? Yeah, it's true, yes. um, so I need to stay sober at least a little bit of the day I've just got a cat and a dog, really so. <laughs> oh, and the wife, of course, obviously. But uh, oh, don't forget the wife. Yes. Don't forget the wife. Yes, so very important. She gets very upset when I say <laughs> things like that. It's like when I refer to our honeymoon as that holiday we went on. She gets so <laughs> upset, <laughs> so upset. I don't know. But anyway, as we said last week, this week we're going to be talking about the TV sitcom Red Dwarf. Yeah, because um, literally last week they had a new episode, which was an hour and a half long. They did. Mm. Uh, on on the channel Dave. Um, I don't know if it's available outside the UK at all. Dave is just yes. as I'm, I'm aware, a UK-only mm. channel. But whether it's been um, sublet to any of the channels, I don't know. I doubt it at mm -hmm. this point, because Dave would have wanted to keep it exclusive at this point. So I, I doubt if they've actually shown it on many other channels at this moment or at least sold it to foreign channels so um yeah maybe some people haven't seen it or maybe some people aren't even aware of red dwarf well they've come to the right place the right podcast the today because we are red dwarf aficionados we're not weird or sad or anything we just quite like the show yeah i mean we don't dress up as lister or anything well not on purpose well not daily <laughs> um but yeah, we do enjoy it. I was a uh, subscriber to the Red Dwarfs magazine back in the 90s when that was being published. Oh, really? Wow. Um, was this a fanzine or an official? No, thing? it was an official official magazine. Wow. Um, very much in the vein of Doctor Who magazine. It had comic strips and articles and things. Um, it went on for about four years, but I only subscribed for a year. But yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. So I, that was my sort of level of fandom. Oh. Uh, enough to buy a magazine on a regular basis. <laughs> well, as you know, at the time I was running uh, Octarine, uh, mm -hmm. which was a science fiction and fantasy humour society. And yeah. We would go to conventions with a sales table and sell t-shirts and the magazine and mm -hmm. stuff. But when Red Dwarf came out, we actually made, well, I actually made some uh, holographic H's with a sticky bit on the back oh, that yeah. you could buy and <laughs> jam on your forehead. We sold hundreds of those. <laughs> it was very popular. 
and very sparkly Excellent. during the discos. Yeah. So. so, before we get into Red Dwarf fully, have you got any uh, interesting news or anything you want to share with well, us? Well, it's funny, really, because I wasn't actually going to do this recording. I was, I was, I knew it was on, but um, I'd actually planned something else. Um, because I was going to do a Zoom meeting with uh, my local sarcasm group. Um, really? I talked to them yesterday, and they said they were so interested in doing it. And then I went online today, and there was nobody there. Ooh, get off. <laughs> <laughs> this stand-up special's awful. Is this a clip from your stand-up special for Netflix or something? <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so, okay, well, let's jump into it. I've not got any news this week. Um, the the Genesis uh, movies that we spoke about last yeah. week being released on, on YouTube are, as suspected just the ones they've released before so oh, this, the sh- one that's releasing today as we record which tell- is saturday is the three sides live yeah i tell you what is worrying me actually at the moment is um the fact that the isolation uh rules are still in effect and will be for the next three weeks from the point of this recording um yeah no idea when this is going to come back to normal as in normal as in letting large mm. groups congregate yeah how is that going to affect the genesis tour coming up i think it's going to be postponed i think it's going to be postponed as well as long as they don't say well we'll give you your money back and then we'll redo it no 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 no. we've got tickets already please don't do that please postpone it and do it another time but they're going to have so many um artists that are going to be doing that everybody's going to be vying for next year's stadium time. Mm. It's going to be very, very, very difficult to find a slot. Yeah, I mean, they've said, well, kind of some of the scientists that are working with the government have said that they don't think there's going to be a a major relief of the lockdown until 2021, so concerts not going to be around until next year. So I I think it's inevitable at this point that's all going to be postponed. So do I. If not cancelled altogether. It's going to be a terrible shame. Um, I just hope that when 2021 comes around... A, I can get a holiday, because I've not had a holiday for a couple of years, and I really need a yeah. holiday. And I know that's not mm-hmm. high on the list of anybody else other than me. The next couple of years are going to be manic with tours rescheduling. Um, yeah. So we've got tickets for, where was it, Manchester? Uh, oh, God, I've forgotten. Yeah, Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it was Manchester. the thing is, we could end up almost anywhere with those tickets, because mm. they might not be able to get into the same venues. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So we could end but, up at the, you know, the, the Wellington pub in Derby <laughs> or something, which is the only place they could get, which would be great <laughs> seeing them in a pub. But you know, or they might get, end up with a bigger venue. They might yeah. end up going to like the Etihad or something. Worst thing, you never know. There are going to be some that are going to have to cancel purely because they can't oh, get okay, so. venues, mm. and um, it will be a shame considering how long we've waited for a Genesis tour if that was yeah. one of the ones that was cancelled because they couldn't find venues. Because at the end of the day. Genesis are an old band and when you've got new mm-hmm. up and coming bands who are going to pull in a lot more fans over many more days yeah. you just wonder if they're going to be booted down the list for availability possibly but we shall see we shall see but I'm I'm fully expecting it to be con- not cancelled I think it's going to be postponed yes definitely postponed certainly to start off with um, if they then like you say they can't rearrange the dates then I think it's just going to be cancelled which will be a massive shame but yeah we shall see shall we get on to Red Dwarf <sighs> Let's get on to Red Dwarf. Right, here's the Revelation Station podcast's introduction to Red Dwarf.
So Red Dwarf is a BBC TV science fiction sitcom. The premise of the show is that we have a basic scumbag of the universe, uh, Dave Lister, who works on Red Dwarf, which is a Jupiter Corporation mining ship. During a stopover on Titan, he picks up mm-hmm. a cat, which he calls Frankenstein. And unfortunately, you're not allowed to have cats on board these ships because of contamination issues. So rather than give his cat up, Dave decides that he will take the punishment of going to suspended animation for 18 months. During that time, there is a catastrophic issue with the ship's engines, and everybody dies. Yes, there's a radiation leak. There is indeed. Which is explained later on in the episode. Three million years later, Dave is awoken by the ship's computer, Holly. This is where we pick up the show. Good morning, Dave. It is now safe for you to emerge from stasis. I've only just got in. Please proceed to the drive room for debriefing. Where is everybody on? They're dead, Dave. Who is? Everybody, Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Todd Hunter? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Selby? They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. (laughs) Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. Not Chen. Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen, everybody. Everybody's dead, Dave. Rimmer. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. Wait. Are you trying to tell me everybody's dead? I should have never let him out in the first place. Dave is now alone in space on board the huge mining ship. He's got decks and decks and decks and nobody on them. So rather than go mad, the computer decides to reanimate his bunkmate, Arnold Rimmer, as a hologram. To put it mildly, Dave and Rimmer never, ever got along. Being a hologram is fine, Lister. I still have the same drives, the same feelings, the same emotions. But I can't touch anything. Never again will I be able to brush a rose against my cheek, cradle a laughing child, or interfere with a woman sexually. Rimmer, you never used to do any of those things anyway. But I would have done one day, murderer. Hey, hey, I didn't do anything. It was you who didn't fix the drive plates properly. Is this me here? Yeah. Me? Come on, Rimmer, look on the bright side. The bright side? What bright side? I'm dead. I'm composed entirely of light, and I'm alone in space with a man who lose a battle of wits with a stuffed iguana. Where's the bright side? What's an iguana? And there's a lot of friction between the two. This is quickly released by the appearance of a creature called Cat. It turns out, during the time that Dave was in suspended animation, the cats evolved. They evolved into human-like form. They, mm-hmm. they created a religion centred around Dave, who they called Cloister, and how he saved Frankenstein. So Dave Lister is their god. How am I looking? I'm looking nice. My hair is nice, my face is nice, my suit is nice. I'm looking really nice. Ow! Jump back! I wonder how I'm looking now. Still looking nice. My hair is still nice, my face is still nice, my suit's I'm just nice, period. <laughs> Dave Lister is not anybody's god. He's basically your run-of-the-mill slob. He is a slob in every... I mean, this guy eats curry for breakfast and just drinks beer all the time, um, uh-huh. which, personally, I haven't got a problem with. <laughs> um, 
But basically, we end up in this situation. We've now got three characters. Something evolved from a cat who's very feline-like. He's proud. He doesn't care about anybody else. He just wants to eat. He likes shiny things. And he's so shallow, it's unbelievable. Um, you've also got Rimmer, who's a self-loathing, pitiful little man. Well, Rimmer, Rimmer is what we would call a Jobsworth. Oh, utterly, utterly country. jobs worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's uh, something the worth rules. doing, he will do it extraordinarily badly. Um, but he's also, he's no better than Lister, really. No, he's, he just thinks he is. Lister's literally the lowest ranking member of the crew, and yeah. Rimmer's one above him. He's basically in charge of the bottom of the crew, Yeah, but thinks he should be better. <laughs> and basically, this the, the explosion that killed everybody was uh, Rimmer's fault. He was put in charge yeah. of, of fixing the drive plate, made a sloppy, half-assed job of it. It blew up and killed everybody. At this point, he's purely made of light. He can't interact with anything. He's just mm -hmm. a hologram. And Lister, who basically just wants to slob around for the entire universe. is the last human. He is the very <laughs> last human. After three million years in space, they're pretty sure everybody on Earth is dead. You also have, at this point, Holly, the ship's computer. This is a computer that, when the show started and everybody was alive, was already on its last legs. It had been running for years without any maintenance. Cut to three million years later, you've got a computer that is so senile it can barely remember its own name, and this is now running <laughs> the entire ship. He's been on his own for three million years, basically. Yeah, <laughs> with no maintenance, everything. and he's just yeah. been basically running the whole ship for three million years with nobody to talk to. He has gone, the technical term is, I think, doolally, and he's played beautifully in a deadpan style by Norman Lovett. All you see is this yes. floating head, which represents Holly, and um, mm -hmm. it's it's brilliantly done. He's he's the lines he delivers are so dry. It, yeah. it's it's a masterclass in how to deliver a line. Well, Norman Lovett was a stand-up comedian. He um, was indeed. And he very famously had a, a show where he'd walk onto the stage with his microphone in his hand and not say anything. Really? And just stand there and people would start to laugh and they wouldn't say anything and they'd start to laugh a bit more and they'd be laughing and they'd laugh and he'd basically try and keep it going for as long as he possibly could. In an interview, I think it was with Arthur Smith, who said that he once saw him do it for 20 minutes, literally standing on stage, holding his microphone, looking at the audience and they were laughing at him for 20 minutes. Um, and then as the laughter starts to subside and people start to think what's going on, he just says, what? <laughs> Which obviously makes everybody laugh again. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> yes. But it just goes to show, I mean, his facial expressions, he doesn't have to do a line. He does mm. he delivers him deadpan on the show, but his facial expressions sell now what is going on. Yeah. I hope they've got some spare odds and sods on board. We're a bit short on a few supplies. Like what? Cow's milk. Ran out of that yonks ago. <laughs> Fresh and dehydrated. What kind of milk are we using now? Emergency backup supply. We're on the dog's milk. <laughs> dog's milk? Nothing wrong with dog's milk. Full of goodness, full of vitamins, full of marabone jelly. <laughs> Lasts longer than any other type of milk, dog's milk. Why? No bugger a drink it. Okay, if we talk about uh, the cast, okay? So, I don't know much about Craig Charles's um, introduction to the auditions on this, do you? So, Craig Charles um, plays Lister. So, he was relatively well-known uh, around the, that time, sort of the mid-80s. Um, he was a punk poet from Liverpool, so he was on a lot of things. Most notably, he was on The Wogan Show. Okay. But he also was on things like Pebble Mill at One, and you do little bits of presenting stuff. So he's a little... He was relatively well-known. And apparently the 
the writers, Grant Naylor, sent the script to him because they wanted him to look over the cat, the cat part to make sure that it wasn't coming across as racist. Right. Um, so they hadn't sent it to him to even to, for him to audition for the show. They literally said, can you have a look at this part and tell us whether you think it's racist or not, please, because we don't want it to be racist. Okay. Um, and he really liked that part and thought it was cool, not racist at all, uh, but basically then said to them, I like this script. Can I audition for the role of Lister, please? Wow. So it's purely by chance. We also have a, a couple of other well-known people who uh, auditioned for these roles. Uh, we have uh, Alan Rickman, who auditioned, mm -hmm. and we have yeah. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina actually did get the role of Rimmer, um, but during filming really could not get into the role. He just didn't understand it. Um, so he stepped down, and um, and Chris Barry got the job. So if, you've, if you're not sure who Alfred Molina is, he's probably most well-known for playing Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. Yes, yes indeed. Um, but he's been in lots of other things as well. Mm. I mean, Chris Barry was also very well-known at the time, because he was doing a lot of the voices mm. on Spitting Image. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was very well-known to the population, but he was also known very well to um, both the writers of Red Dwarf, um, mm -hmm. Grant and Naylor because uh, he'd worked on their radio shows that they yes. did so um, yeah. they were already very familiar people and he got the job of playing uh, Rimmer Grant Naylor had been writing for a comedy show called Spitting Image which Chris Barry did a lot of the voice for because Chris Barry is primarily was a an impressionist yes um, so he'd done a lot of the voices for them so they knew him from that but also as you mentioned their radio show cliche and son of cliche yeah. which featured a sketch uh, called dave holland's space cadet yeah oh. yeah and danny john jewels of course uh he auditioned um he got the job because when he turned up for the audition he came in character he even <laughs> borrowed his father's zoot suit um mm. so he looked the part and he literally came in through the door as cat, and they just they just loved him on the spot, and he got the job just basically straight away. I don't think anybody else half, even got a half look an in. hour late. Yeah, apparently. He did. half an hour yeah. late he turned up. But he did that <laughs> deliberately. He turned up half yeah. an hour late deliberately because he was he said he was in character. I don't know. I don't know how many actors would have the 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 balls to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to be fairly confident in yourself, which is but very cat-like. It is a, quite a gamble, though, isn't it? Mm, yeah, they could have just turned around and gone. No, you were late. Yeah, <laughs> he had yeah. to had to be <laughs> confident in himself. Norman Lovett, by the way, originally auditioned mm. as Rimmer. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that actually. Yeah, he could he could work as Rimmer, but but basically, what we ended up with was a very fine cast in the right roles. I yes, know it's I know it's definitely. very bland to say that because you know we have no. Um, reference as to what they would have been like otherwise mm. um, but but it worked out very well with what we got yeah mm. definitely yeah yeah so we'll go back to Rob Grant and Doug Naylor's beginnings um, mm. they met at university and started mm -hmm. writing at university um, <laughs> but they did start sending stuff in to BBC radio and things like that none of which got accepted I had the good fortune to interview them uh, many years ago 18th of the 7th 92 I was at a convention in Northampton a Red Dwarf convention and I was writing a little magazine at the time, as you know, and uh, mm -hmm. we took the chance to, to, uh, to get an interview with them. I predominantly wanted to get an interview with them because of their radio stuff, because I was a big fan of cliché, son of cliché, and things like that. Um, but they'd also started doing Red Dwarf, and um, I thought this was a great opportunity to get an interview. 
So I sat down with them with, with a couple of beers and we did this interview. And I got some great information out of them, specifically at the time, and we will come on to this later. Uh, mm -hmm. They'd just come back from the States where they were doing the American Red Dwarf boot. I said, we'll come into this a bit later on. But I sat down and talked to them, um, basically asked them where they began. They started writing at university, as I said, but they sent in a couple of things to the BBC. One of them was a show called Big Time, about two private detectives. Mm. According to uh, Rob Grant, uh, it had. I asked them what this show involved, and they said about seven jokes. That's all it had in it. Um, <laughs> it was, just wasn't funny. The BBC basically went, no, we ain't doing that. It's just terrible. And eventually they did get picked up by the BBC, at which point this is where they did Cliché and Son of Cliché. Cliché came first. It was a, They did one series of it, as far as I'm aware. It was a sketch show. It was about half hour long, and it had a series of sketches. That then progressed into Son of Cliché, which was also a sketch show. It did two, two seasons, and during this time, they did uh, 16 episodes, and each episode had uh, an abundance of sketches, but they included a series of sketches which carried on from episode to episode. Although they weren't a continuous episode, they were constant features of each episode, so you would have these episodes just drop in. One of them was Dave Holland's Space Cadet. This was a simple little sketch. It was about... A, a space cadet called Dave Hollins, and thanks didn't for clearing really that up. have a background, because I th if I remember rightly, that premiered in the very last episode of the first season. Yes, it did. And he dies at the end. Mm -hmm. This is Stellar Trader, Dave Hollins, calling Earthcom Yonder K57. My craft, Scion 4, is locked in a decaying orbit around a Class 2 planet. The main drives have gone, and there is no power left in the Starhopper. I'm at a planet that has two suns and seven moons. My AA number is Hall 71482. <laughs> a bioscan prelim has indicated living matter on the planet's surface. It is intelligent, but basic. Just above vegetable, but just below teacher training student. <laughs> I'm abandoning Scion and tubing down to the surface. Zilge, the occupant of the craft is about to arrive in input two. What be he like? <laughs> Zilge, several of his legs are missing, and there are many holes in his face. I must scurry and greet him. <laughs> I bid thee solstice, traveler. You must have hunger and weariness. Come, I bid thee dine with me and my seven husbands. Husbands? You have seven husbands? You seem querulous. How many husbands do you have? I don't have any husbands. Oh, a nephron. Is that how you reproduce here, with a husband? Seven husbands. Oh. Eight of us must get together to perform a nagor to produce the children. That's incredible. What's it like? Oh, a lot of fun. Uh, how many children do you produce at one of these nagors? Oh, enough for two or three meals. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to explode. <laughs> I beg your pardon. It must have been something I strangled. <laughs> Where be you from, traveler? Me? I'm from Earth. Earth? Yep. The planet Earth? That's right. Do you know a guy called Jan Vogels? <laughs> no. Come on, he came from Earth. Jan Vogel. No, 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 I don't know him. You must know him. 
Yan, short guy with red hair. No, I told you, I don't know him. He came from Whole Land on Earth in the 8th century Earth time. No, no, it's the wrong period, and I've never been to Holland. Jan Vogels. He had holes in his face he put food in, and when we told him what it was, the food would come out again. <laughs> Jan Vogels. No, I, look, I don't know him. Jan Vogels. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 I know him. Jan Vogels, oh, yeah, I know Jan. Yeah, Jan Vogels, that's right. Now, can we go to your city now? I need some fuel for my craft. Mm, of course. Oh, but what must you think of my manners? We haven't passed greetings. Come, we must decapitate each other and exchange heads for an hour. <laughs> Funny. That's what happened to Jan Vogels. <laughs> And then his second season is a sketch in each episode, and he's basically trapped, I think, seven million light years from Earth, and he's the last human. Yes. With a, with a with an onboard computer. With an onboard computer, um, which is very very similar to Red. Yeah, dwarf, it's it's not an obvious Red Dwarf comparison because they are no. quite different. But you can yeah. see the germ of the idea there. But that's that's years away from where Red Dwarf started. So yeah. we'll just play a couple of tracks here. First one is going to be um, Dave Holland's Space Cadet, mm-hmm. and then we'll play another track or two, depending on how Simon's feeling, um, from their radio show, just to give you a flavour of the other stuff they did on the radio show. Saturday Serials present the further reasonably exciting adventures of Captain Invisible and his faithful sidekick, the see-through kid. (laughs) Episode 2, Coat Hangers from Outer Space. We join Captain Invisible and the kid planning their next unbelievable move in their secret lair. It's no good. This is the worst fix I've ever been in. If only the see-through kid were here. I am here, Captain. (laughs) Where? Here. Oh, great. How was your holiday, see-through? I haven't been on holiday, Captain Invisible. I've just had laryngitis for a week. (laughs) Hey, it's the invisible phone, Captain. Right. Aren't you going to answer it? Oh, I thought you'd gone to answer it. No, I'm standing right here. Uh, Captain? What now, see-through? Where is it? It's right over there. Yep, 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 yep. Who was it, kid? I don't know. The phone stopped ringing before I could find it. So why were you going, yep, 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 yep? I was just practicing my dog impressions. <laughs> you idiot. Hey, we better check out the commissioner just in case. Quick, kid, the invisible car. Right. Hey, Cap, it was left at those lights. Yeah, I know. Yeah, better take the next left. Right, the next left. No, no, I meant uh, that left there. That's what I thought you meant. So why didn't you take it? Because I'm not driving. What? <laughs> Something was wrong. Slowly, I reached into my waistband. Yes, I had clean underpants on. <laughs> Louis? 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 <coughs> Silently, I pulled the Magnum 45 from the turn-up of my flares. <laughs> In the darkness, two silhouettes rushed at me. 
I catapulted into the room, rolled over, pivoted on my hip and fired two shots into my foot. <laughs> One of the men died for me. I picked him off in midair and shot the other three before he hit the floor. There was no sound. Then... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear so I flicked on the light. Louis! Surprise! Surprise! So during this time they were writing some of cliche, they still wanted to break into television. And they were sending scripts in to the BBC, and one of them was called Hot Potato. Um, it was about a bunch of students basically living in a flat. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. However, it did bring them to the attention of the right people, and this is where they got their in to writing for television. Basically, they, they, got, the, they got the attention of Ted Turner, um, who referred them to the producers up at Manchester. Mm-hmm. They were invited up for a meal, uh, which was uh, curry, surprisingly, um, and they were taken out, and they were offered, basically, a deal to write a sitcom. They were offered £36 a week to do this. Wow. Uh, which was pitiful, but they started writing. Let's cut this short. They came up with Red Dwarf eventually. I believe the money that was used to create the show um, was because the BBC had already allocated funds to a second season of Ben Elton's Happy Families sitcom, which Ben Elton then decided he didn't want to make. So there we have it. They came on to write Red Dwarf. It was a simple show with a very small cast. It was very small, enclosed sets, nothing large. Uh, The special effects weren't that special. Mm -hmm. And they did two seasons like that with just the three cast. Crichton, who went on to become eventually one of the main cast, appeared in season two, the first episode, an episode called Crichton. He did. He was basically a robot that was stuck on a spaceship called the Nova 5. And he was basically a housework robot. And he was looking after the three surviving crew from that ship uh-huh. but they were all dead he was yeah. basically dusting their skeletons basically Lister taught Crichton into believing in himself and at the very end of it Crichton zoomed off on a space bike believing in himself and setting off for a whole new adventure that's the last we saw of Crichton at that point Crichton is not who we think he is Crichton was played by an actor called David Ross completely mm-hmm. different from the, cat, from the actor who eventually comes to play him so he continued after that with just the three cast members for the rest of that season we got we got on the six episodes yep. with just the three cast at the end of season two the writers decided it was time to put a kick up the show they needed a change because it was it was very small and claustrophobic and they wanted to make it a bigger show Apparently they were finding it difficult to write for with the restrictions they'd put on it. Well, that's quite understandable because it is at the time it was such a claustrophobic mm. small show. They had like four sets they could use, yeah, and essentially three characters, yeah, occasionally uh, with Holly coming on occasionally. I mean, at that point, even Cat only appeared occasionally during the shows. It was mostly Lister and Rimmer, yeah. Um, but they decided season three needed to be grander, bigger, more exciting, better special effects bigger universe so they rebooted the show for season three yeah and to explain all the changes they did a scrolling start a la star wars unfortunately they what they did do was they did it at such a speed there was no way you could read it without actually freeze framing it yeah um because basically they said we're rebooting this 
it doesn't matter it's just a show if you want to come back and look at this please feel free to free fr freeze frame it but it does not matter <laughs> just enjoy the show that was basically it they weren't yeah. taking this seriously either so now we've got an extra cast member we have robert Llewellyn as Crichton. Uh -huh. uh, this is now a constant cast change yeah. and the special effects certainly increased as did the writing um I, I had actually when i watched that first episode of season three um i'd completely forgotten about Crichton. um <laughs> It just didn't register at all and then all of a sudden there was this robot character and I was like what have I missed something where's this guy come from really yeah I just couldn't wow. remember him at all I'd been watching it since the very start and at that point in time they weren't repeated very often so I hadn't re-watched any of the first two seasons at that point um, so I'd just completely forgotten that they'd introduced this character and he just suddenly turned up I'm supposed to take him asteroid spotting I'll be right down sir you'd better be now, Crichton, remember yesterday's class? An introduction to insults? Oh, I'm not sure. Now, how do we describe the gentleman who's just been on the screen? He's Mr. No, 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 come on, he's a... He's a smee. Nearly, come on, nearly. He's a smee. He's a... He's a smee. He's a... He's a smee. Um, so they started filming the new series, and I think they were filming it at Shepparton. I'm not sure. Mm, yeah. I should know, because I actually went, we went down, because um, I got a load of tickets to go and mm. see it being filmed. Because at this point, it was still being filmed before a live audience. Mm. They they loved filming in, for, in front of a live audience. It got yeah. the, the right, it got everybody working properly. Um, I went down to see the episode Polymorph being filmed. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was great fun. Even though you were basically, uh, you had to sit there and laugh at the same joke five times as they did various takes. Hmm. And it's it's quite interesting because when you watch it back, you think, I'm sure we weren't laughing that hard on the 18th take that they finally did of that. So <laughs> they, they were still putting some canned laughter in there, but it was still predominantly live. Yeah. Um, so they could gauge which jokes worked and which jokes didn't. Hmm. Even though when you were sat there in the audience, they did do the whole light up sign saying, laugh now, you swines. <laughs> um, as you were watching it so yeah. uh, they, they tried to control the audience to a certain extent and told us when not to laugh or calm it down a bit because we're still going mental yeah but uh, watching it being filmed was quite interesting mm. it's the first time I'd seen a TV show being filmed yeah and uh, it was interesting because it's on a stage hmm. and they've got all the sets laid out in front of you with it open to one side so yeah seeing them filming what you see as a big ship in a very small space hmm. It's 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 very interesting to see how they use space and how a camera angle can make you think a room is much bigger than it actually is. So from a technical point of view, it was quite interesting. I suppose I'd never thought of that really. In like a play, they've got all the sets on the stage at the same time, haven't they? Yeah, um, there was there was no switching around of sets. They were yeah. literally all there, and they just moved to a. The stage must have been forty feet across. Yeah, that was it, wow. and they had all the different rooms for the episode filmed up there and then there were some episodes some parts of the episode where they had special effects included hmm. um, or instant switches things like that and they pre-filmed those yeah. and put them up on monitors for us to react to as they were they were showing it mm -hmm. so we actually got the episode pretty much in the order yeah. that it was televised right. um, with the, with the special effects scenes actually put in for us cool. to a certain extent so there are eight seasons broadcast by the BBC between 1988 and 1999 um, yeah, um, interesting. There were three years between uh, mm. season six and season seven. Yeah, they, they, season six famously ended on a cliffhanger that was yeah. never actually resolved. But the main reason for this this gap was uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor were basically dissolving their uh, writing collaboration at that yeah. point. Yeah, um, there are various reasons for that. 
they keep saying things like, well, one of them wanted to go off and do his own thing, mm. and others saying they had a massive punch-up. We'll never know the actual reason yeah. why they separated, yeah. but um, we were just left now with uh, Doug Naylor yeah. doing predominant yeah. writing with uh, yeah. occasional help from other writers. They did kind of produce the uh, the climax of the cliffhanger, but it was on a DVD. I think it was a, a DVD extra. Um, was it really? So it was never actually broadcast, which was a bit disappointing. And it wouldn't be the last time they'd do that, because season eight ended on a cliffhanger as well that was never resolved. Yeah. The interesting thing about season seven was that they filmed it without a studio mm. audience. It, yeah. was, it was completely yeah. done with canned laughter. Yeah. Um, but when they came back to do the special Back to Earth in 2008... Yeah. They went back to doing it in front of a live audience again. Yeah, so so ten years after the show was uh, was dropped, basically, uh, Doug Naylor's basically stated the BBC weren't interested in doing a season nine, so it was just yeah. dropped. Um, but Dave, the UK uh, satellite channel, picked up the show in two thousand and nine for that special Back to Earth. Um, that affected yeah. it, was, it was weird, wasn't it? I remember, yeah. I remember waiting for it to come on. I thought, after all this time, it's going to be odd. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, it was an odd episode. Yeah, spoiler alert, it kind of was just a retread of the last episode of season five. Um, yeah, it was also a lot of a pastiche of Blade Runner. Mm, um, yeah. And it was also, um, I mean, because Craig Charles was working in a, sh a UK show called uh, Coronation Street at the yeah. time, and that was included in this mm. quite a lot, as I recall. Yeah, they went to Coronation Street, didn't they? They went to the yeah. set. Um, in the actual episode, they they returned to Earth only to find that Red Dwarf was a television show <laughs> and that they were sort of well-known characters. Yeah. And uh, it was okay, but I've, I found the constant Blade Runner references uh, mm. quite distracting. Yeah. It was a bit too self-referential for my life. It was a lot self-referential. It was, it, was it was not a great episode, to be yeah. fair. But then Dave picked up the show for season 10, 11 and 12 and certainly yeah. season 10 and 11 were absolutely brilliant I thought I enjoyed 12 as well I, 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 I thought that the writing wasn't as good maybe mm. yeah. uh, but I certainly wouldn't disregard season 12 yeah. I'm going to have to watch season 12 again because I, re I watched it when it was broadcast and didn't really enjoy it that much but mm. I think retrospect I might, I'm going to re-watch it and, and see how it is you for the first time, first time, my knees began to quiver, quiver, and I got a funny feeling, feeling, in my kidneys and my liver, digestive system baby, my hands they started shaking, shaking, and my heart began to thumping, Like 
interesting mm. and I was right yeah I mean I was a big sci-fi fan at the time Doctor Who Star Trek and everything and I, I pretty much the same I think I saw the trailer thought ooh interesting and watched it mm. from there and just loved it and those first two seasons were just unlike anything else I'd ever watched yeah, um, I mean we, we'd gone through I think at this point in uh, 88 we'd gone through a bit of a hiatus on the BBC with mm. uh, sci-fi yeah um, we'd had shows um, I'm trying to think when Star Cops was on that was late 80s as well wasn't it it was either mid to late 80s, yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, but exactly. I think we'd just seen off Blake mm. 7 at that point. Yeah. So Doctor, Doctor Who was, was only one year, in, yeah, one year from being yeah. dead. Um, they yeah, weren't so, investing in sci-fi at all. No, so it was really weird that they, mm. they'd go with this. Yeah. And um, it was odd because mm. it was it was very unlike anything we'd seen before. Yeah. In the fact that it was very weird to say, down to earth, I suppose yeah. you could say, yeah. with the characters. Um, yeah. And they weren't heroes in any way stretch mm-hmm. you know, not any stretch of the imagination these yeah. guys weren't heroes yeah. in fact they were probably some of the most, most annoying people you could possibly imagine yeah. being stuck in a spaceship with yeah. I mean I especially um, liked the fact that the sci-fi element of it was just the background Yes, it was, it was the that was, that was basically just the scene setter, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly, it was the characters that were funny. It wasn't the sci-fi situation that changed a little bit as it went on, as it started to bring in sort of pastiches of Alien and things like that. But yeah. in those first two seasons, it was all about the characters. It was all about Lister yeah. and Rimmer, basically. Um, yeah. So there, there wasn't a lot of sci-fi in there. It was mostly the characters. Yeah, but the, you know, the, there was enough sci-fi in it to make you believe that it was a sci-fi yeah. show, even though it technically wasn't. Yeah. It was it was basically just a full on comedy. Yeah. But then with with the, as the later seasons wore on, it became more sci fi orientated. Yes. They still kept the comedy. Yeah, I think certainly when you get to sort of season six, the sci fi's taking the front seat. Um, yeah. The the comedy's kind of taking the back seat more, um, and they didn't really get over that until 
season eight, I think. I mean, season six, season seven, it was more sci-fi, and then season eight started to move back towards the characters and the comedy. Yeah, definitely. So we had some interesting stuff coming up from yeah. season three. Yeah. Um, so we had some some great episodes like Polymorph, which yeah. was a great episode, very funny. Yeah. Um, backwards. We have just backwards. Such a funny. I remember absolutely crying. Backwards was interesting. They did film it and then basically played it backwards, mm. but with the soundtrack for it. It was interesting and on yeah. the dvd i think they actually have the show the yes. way they filmed it yeah I think so you right, can yeah. see it all being played in the right forwards yeah. even though it was then shown on the screen backwards if that yeah. makes any sense at all yeah. <laughs> yeah. you need to watch the episode listeners you do <laughs> but, but you've, you've still got these three characters and then you've got now stuck in the middle of Crichton who wants to obey everybody yeah. but he's quite aware that some of them are less worthy of obeying <laughs> than others yeah. so you've got this constant fight amongst the crew as to who's in charge who <laughs> thinks they're in charge and, who's uh, actually in charge <laughs> Yeah, and the direction that they're now going to go in because nobody wants to follow anybody else because they all, everybody else thinks they're all stupid. Yeah. That gives some great shows. Yeah. Uh, ones I'm specifically thinking of is Meltdown. That's where Rimmer is basically locked onto a planet yeah. where he can make dummies of historical people. Mm -hmm. And basically he turns into a Napoleon and yeah. starts these robots fighting amongst each other and when the rest of the crew finally find him I think he's the last person on the planet because everybody else has killed everybody else <laughs> which shows what rumour would be like if he was put in charge of anything basically yeah. everybody yeah. would die because he's basically <laughs> an idiot um, you've got great shows absolutely some I'm back to reality yes back now to reality is a show that it epitomises Red Dwarf mm in the fact that it shows all of the characters in the way they are, kind of. Yeah. To premise the show, they land on a... They go to a, a planet, and underneath the water, they find a shipwreck. On the mm -hmm. shipwreck, all the crew are dead. Human, male, Caucasian, cause of death, gunshot wound to the head. From the entry and exit wounds, most likely self-inflicted. There's another one! Two suicides. There's more! Male, Oriental. Clearly, he committed seppuku. Hey, look what I found. Species unknown, similar to Earth haddock. Cause of death, suffocation. What? What is it? But this fish suffocated in water. It voluntarily closed its own gills. Are you saying this haddock committed suicide? <laughs> Merely stating the known facts. This fish relinquished its life of its own free will. Damn fool. <laughs> Why would the hadn't kill itself? Why am I even asking that question? Hold <laughs> it, hang five guys, I'm getting something. He committed suicide. He committed suicide. He committed suicide, and the fish committed suicide. There's some kind of link here that I can't quite <laughs> And we find out that all the crew were killed because they were subjected to an hallucinogen which was secreted by like a squid-like creature that lived on the planet. Yeah. They try to get back to Red Dwarf, but they're squirted with this hallucinogen. Cut scene, they're now waking up. They find they're, they're in pods, and it turns out that the whole of Red Dwarf was a video game. Yeah. And basically, they're getting used to the, themselves. They're, they're basically just guys like us. <laughs> Even Cat has now got buck teeth and a bowl, bowl haircut. Yeah, Dwayne <laughs> Dibley. 
which became quite a thing because yeah. um, he lo- he just plays it so brilliantly but basically they're just waking up from this game that they think they've been playing for the past five years and it's a yeah. brilliant show as they realise that what they think they're waking up as a reality is yeah. in fact the hallucination and it's how they get out of that mm. and the scrapes they get into it, yeah. it's a brilliant episode probably one of my favourite episodes yeah I was going to say I think that's possibly my favourite episode it's just so well done and funny all the way through and I think my favourite little easter egg in that episode is when they're watching the monitors as they're leaving the, the arcade and the people who've replaced them on their machine and it looks like the American pilot <laughs> version yes it did didn't it I love yeah. that which is a good point to come yeah. on to yes um, because at this point which was which was early 90s Red Dwarf has already been shown I think in, in some states mm-hmm. uh, in the US uh, on their PBS channels and they were approached by an American television company and they were said basically come over here do Red Dwarf in the US mm-hmm. and it'll be great and I talked to them a lot about this when I did the interview and mm-hmm. uh, their experience doing it and it was quite interesting because they went over there Robert Llewellyn went over with them as well yeah. he was the only original cast member who went over and reprised his role mm-hmm. so they went over and they were trying to talk to these producers in America and they just did not get it it's like mm-hmm. the whole um um, Hitchhiker's Guide when they tried to do that in the States and they were talking yeah. to, to Douglas Adams and they were saying come up with something else because 42 doesn't make sense and he was going <laughs> that's the point it doesn't make sense and they were going yeah can can you come up with a different answer that one that makes sense and it was the same thing with with um, Red Dwarf because yeah. they went in for casting and the producer of the show said he's our guy he's Dave Lister mm. and Grant Neal looked at him and went are you kidding? That guy's a hunk. Yeah. <laughs> He's so handsome. There's no way Kachansky would not fall for him. It no longer makes sense if you make him an absolute hunk. And if you see, uh, if you get a chance to look at the Red Dwarf pilot, because they actually did two, the guy who plays Lister is... I mean, he's got such an 80s haircut. He looks like he should be in a rock band. Um, <laughs> and he is so handsome and buff and just stood there, and you think... Yeah, that is not Lister. He's just so buff. But they had the same problem. They could not explain to them Mm. that Lister was supposed to be this scumbag. They could not make him a scumbag. And they said, well, we can't make him a scumbag because he's the the hero of the show. He (laughs) has to be a hero-type guy. And they could not grasp the the significance of anti-heroes. I think it's a a pretty British thing. I don't know. But the American American producers couldn't do it, so they won this super handsome guy. So, um, the first pilot, um, we had Jane Leaves as, or Leves, however you want to pronounce it, as Holly. Um, You may remember her from Fraser. She played the uh, UK nanny. Mm -hmm. Um, She played uh, Holly in that one. And they had a guy playing Cat, Hinton Battle. But then when they did a second pilot, and they kept most of the cast similar, but they changed the guy playing Rimmer and the person playing Cat. And they now made Cat a female. Um, and that was played by Terry Farrell, who went on to great fame in Deep Space Nine oh, as yes. Uh, Dax. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I know. I remember. Um, yeah, so- but um, the important thing to take away from both of these is that they, they were terrible. Should you want to uh, look at any of that, there's some really, really bad footage, bad quality footage of it on YouTube. They are terrible, and the quality is terrible, but even if the quality was pristine, they are terrible. Yeah. Um, I yeah. went at That convention where I interviewed Rob Grant and Doug Naylor, they actually bought a copy of it over, really? and we watched it in one of the viewing rooms. <laughs> um, the script 
for that show basically drew skits from every previous episode. Mm. So they were, they were like starting on... Well, it had Crichton in it to start off with, didn't it, as well? They did, because what they were doing was they were basically starting it from the beginning, but the beginning now was season three. Yeah. So they were doing it from a season three perspective, but starting the entire show from there. So that was the disaster and everything. Mm. But they weren't doing it as, you know, as back to the British start they were starting yeah. it as, as if it was season three with all that cast yeah and starting from yeah. there um say robert llewellyn was the only member of cast to come over from the uk uh -huh. but if you do get a chance to watch those they are terrible yeah uh, but all the jokes were taken from the previous three seasons of the uk which is where we were at that point robert llewellyn's book um the man in the rubber mask which is absolutely excellent read by the way and you can get an audio version which is read by him um, he goes into those pilot episodes quite a lot um, and talks a lot about those in that so I'd recommend getting getting hold of that if you can yeah Craig Burko uh, who played Lister he was also in The Long Kiss Goodnight which was a great mm. film mm. yeah um, but if you actually get to see a picture of him um, yeah. he's like poster boy material <laughs> you literally no way would, would, would he be a suitable Lister, because he's just too buff and too handsome. I've got a bit of a crush on him myself, just looking yeah. at a picture of him now. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, I've got, got me a man crush there. Yeah. Uh, so that's the American yeah. pilot. Um, not recommended, yeah. but you can no. check well, out YouTube. It's not only not recommended, but it, it bombed. It really mm. didn't do well. Uh, I don't think it was ever shown on American TV. Nope. They do a lot of pilots in the US. Every year, I don't know if you all know how this works, basically every studio makes 20, 30 pilots. They go to like a conference mm -hmm. and everybody sits down and views these pilots and then the various stations bid. Well, this yeah. is how it used to work. Various stations bid on what they want to take and whichever gets picked up goes to series. Those that don't get picked up are sometimes shown during the summer as TV movies. Mm. As far as I'm aware, this was never ever shown anywhere. No, it was never shown, which is why the quality of the footage on YouTube is so poor. Yeah, you just, it was only leaked from studio that, yeah. that it ever got views anywhere. Yeah, it's like um, nth generation but, stuff. Yeah, but it's not one of those things you should hunt down because they are so bad it's really not <laughs> worth adding to your collection. It's not even interestingly, as an aside, I've got the American pilot. Would you like to see it? Because people should just say, no, thanks. Mm. So, ignoring the pilot episode from the US, as we rightly should, yep. what do you think was your favourite episode? I've already said my favourite episode was probably Back to Reality. What do you reckon yours is? <sighs> It's a tough one. There are, so there are many. a lot of good episodes mm. here. I would say, oh, season two episode Queeg. Oh yes. Um, I thought that was very very funny. Yeah. Um, in that episode, they find a second operating system on Red Dwarf called Queeg, mm -hmm. and Queeg and Holly battle it out for who's going to take over Red Dwarf, and it's <laughs> very funny. Queeg, what do you want? I want my ship back. Too bad. If you want Red Dwarf, you've got to fight for her. Steady on, Hollis man's a nutter. I challenge you to the game of your choice. May the greater mind win. Oh, my God. For the winner, command of Red Dwarf. And for the loser? The loser will be erased, terminated, oblivionised. Bye-bye, Baldy. Name your game. Chess. It can be anything, any game at all. Chess. Drafts, poker, anything. Chess. It's a beauty of snakes and ladders. Chess. Monopoly, maybe. I'll let you go first. Chess. So you like a bit of chess, do you? <laughs> Transfer me to the monitor. Holly, don't do this, man. You're going to get rubbed. A computer's got to do what a computer's got to do. Let battle commence. Pawn to King Four. 
Horsey to King Bish Three. It's called a knight, actually, Holly. Knight to King Bishop Three. Queen to Rook Eight. Checkmate. That's an illegal move. Oh, sorry. Queens don't move like that. I was thinking of poker. <laughs> Cluedo, you can be Colonel Mustard. Psst. If it's any help, I've been studying his tactics and there's a pattern emerging. Every time you make a move, he makes one too. <laughs> Thanks, Kat. Pawn to King Four. Knight to King Bish Three. Bishop to Knight Five. Horsey takes King Brawn. Pawn to Queen Five. Horsey to Bish Three. Bishop Pawn to Queen Three. Takes Pawn. Brawn to King Four. Horsey to Bish Three. Brawn takes Horsey. Bishop Pawn takes Pawn. Bish takes Brawn. Bishop to Knight Five. Double check and mate, sucker. Oh, yeah, didn't see that. Holy man, what have you done? He's lost. And the loser gets erased. Noughts and crosses? <laughs> um, I would have to say... Um, oh, wow. So many good episodes. Back to Reality is brilliant. Yeah. Hollership is a good episode as well. Oh, yeah, that's a later one, isn't it? Is that season six, yeah. I think? Uh, yeah, uh, no, season five, Hollowship. Oh, yeah. First episode, season five. Um, I mean, uh, there's Gunman of the Apocalypse, which mm -hmm. of course is their only Emmy winning episode. Yeah. Uh, but that is not one of my favourites, funnily mm. enough. Um, it's good, but it's not. Mm -hmm. There's, um, I mean, the, of the Dave episodes, you've got Dear Dave. I mean, the sight of him humping a dispensing machine um, <laughs> is quite entertaining. Yeah. From season 10, an episode called Trojan, where they find a distress call from a doomed ship, which is one of Earth's top-range ships, and they get this SOS distress call. Obviously, the crew are all dead. Yeah. But Rimmer finds his uh, long-lost brother as a hologram on this ship, and they basically battling it out. Rimmer's trying to pretend he's the big commander he always wanted to be. Um, but it's a brilliant little episode. I absolutely love that episode. It's so funny and so touching at the yeah. end as well. Yeah, that was a good one, actually. That whole um, season was pretty good. Um, it was a pretty good season, it has to be said. That was really the first one that Dave did mm. as a full season. And I think most of the episodes in that were top-notch. Yeah, that was a good season. What were your favourite episodes? Back to Reality, I think. That's just a must, isn't it? They, if they'd wanted to end the series there, I would have... They could have ended it there quite easily. It would have been It would have been, been an out if they'd wanted to end it there. Um, but I really like that. Um, I really liked uh, Backwards from season three. What do you mean you don't want to leave? We're happy here. We found a niche. We're the sensational Reverse Brothers. We've only been here three weeks and we're a big hit. Remember, everything is backwards. We've got used to it. It's true. Once you get over the initial shock, things actually make a lot more sense this way around. There's no death here. You start off dead, you have a funeral, then you come to life. As each year passes, you get younger and younger until you become a newborn baby. Then you go back inside your mother, who goes back inside her mother, and so on, until eventually we all become one glorious whole. Rimmer, you heard the R, one glorious whole. <laughs> You've totally flipped, man. We want to stay. We can't stay. Look, I'm 25 now. In 10 years' time, I'll be 15. I'll have to go through puberty again. Backwards. Imagine that. Your gajimbas will suddenly rise back into your body, and the next thing you know, you're singing soprano in the school choir. <laughs> I'm worse than that. In 25 years, I'll be a little sperm, 
swimming around in somebody's testicles. I mean, pardon me, but that's just not how I saw my future. I'm telling you, things are better this way. It's our universe, it's the wrong way around. Take war. War is a wonderful thing here. In 50 years' time, the Second World War will start. Backwards. And that's a good thing. Millions of people will come to life. Hitler will retreat across Europe. Liberate France and Poland. Disband the Third Reich and bog off back to Austria. We're smash hits here. We'd be crazy to leave. Remember, we don't belong here. This place is crazy. Crazy? Death, disease, famine. There's none of that here. There's no crime. The first night we were here, a mugger jumped us and forced 50 pounds into my wallet at night point. Okay, okay, but, but look at the flip side of the coin. It's not all good. Take someone like, say, St. Francis of Assisi. In this universe, he's the petty-minded little sadist to go around maiming small animals. Or Santa Claus, what a bastard. Hey. He's the big fat git who sneaks down chimneys and steals all the kids' favourite toys. Yeah. Hilarious. So good. It was good. I mean, there's obviously there's the uh, the first Ace Rimmer episode as well, which was pretty funny. It was uh, Dimension Jump, wasn't it? Yes, Dimension Jump. Oh, season f- season four, where where an, a hologram Rimmer from another universe. Yes. Well, like, it's not a hologram, is he? No, he's he's still alive. Yeah. He's a test pilot showing what Rimmer. And could he's be like. he's the Rimmer Rimmer always wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Rimmer instantly hates him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. It did spawn many a T-shirt with uh, "Smoke me a kipper." I'll be back in time for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, but yeah. I think probably one of my favourites is um, Rimmer World, where yeah. the clone he, he lands on crash lands on a ship and clones himself, and then they get there. The, there's, there's just a the entire world is full of Rimmers, <laughs> and the original Rimmer is stuck in a cell yeah. because all the other Rimmers basically ganged up on him. Yeah, um, and I just the the fact that he's he, when he's crashing, he's he's got some Zen balls to. To calm himself down, and then he, you cut to him a thousand years later, and he's still pushing them around, but they've turned to ball bearings. Little yeah. feature <laughs> gags like that, I really love in the background. There's some really good gags in that one, yeah. but but it is a good, it is a good, and the thing is, Red Dwarf does some really funny stuff, but they also do some really touching stuff as well. Yeah, because the characters, although the characters are, are played with quite a lot, they have now after all these seasons such a history mm. that they can be. Really touching at time when they when they you know when they get into certain situations and they yeah. can talk to each other. The, the latest episode, for example, there's there's a couple of pieces in there where it's it's quite touching because mm. it, it draws on the past history of the show. So let's yeah. go into our review of Promised Land, which was the newest special. solution, sir, to your last human alive dilemma. 
An issue that's clearly driving you to the brink of insanity. Now, this is a little unconventional, I grant you. But with the Meditech we salvaged from the Delta 7, what I'm about to suggest is quite possible. So I implore you both to give it your full and proper consideration. Both? What's this got to do with me? Well, sir, what if you had a sex change operation? Let me finish. <laughs> and became a woman. Let me finish. Mr. Lister and yourself could then do the necessary, let me finish, and produce a child together. Have you been drying your head in the tumble dryer again? With the Meditech, making you a woman is a relatively straightforward procedure, sir, involving just a few snips and a bit of folding. Where does the folding fit in? To make your lady garden, sir. And with my long history with sheets, you know how good I am at folding. Dude, what you're suggesting is anatomically impossible. With the Meditech, sir, it's perfectly possible. Let me put it this way. I'd never be able to get the plane off the runway if you get me drift. Wait a minute. Are you saying if I was a woman, I wouldn't be hot? But if I was a woman, you wouldn't be in no plane. You'd be on Apollo 13, baby. Your tongue would be hanging out your mouth like an old dog. Cat, I wouldn't be attracted to you if you were the most beautiful woman in the world because I'm not attracted to you. In fact, this whole crazy idea would have a better chance of working if it was me that had the sex change operation. Because let's face it, you'd go with anyone. Wait, hold on. Are you saying that you'd make a harder woman than me? I'd make a better woman than you. I'm more empathetic, intuitive, I'm nicer. Have you never seen my legs? Cat, I'm not gonna get in some stupid macho who'd make the hottest woman Barney, okay? <laughs> Although I know for a fact who it'd be. Me? The greatest erogenous zone is what? My mirror. <laughs> It's the brain. And what would me having one? That puts you at a huge disadvantage, guy. So basically, this episode is a branch off from a season one episode, mm. Waiting for God. Yeah. Um, in yeah. that episode, this is where we find out that um, the cats have evolved into a, an entire new civilization uh -huh. and left Red Dwarf. Yeah. And all that's left is Cat, because he was left behind because he's stupid, <laughs> and an old blind priest. Yeah. And in that episode, uh, Lister finds the priest and basically gives the priest a joyous send-off because the priest is dying. Yeah. And he, he allows the priest to go out believing that everything he believed was true, that, yeah. that Cloister existed yeah. and Cloister was with him at the end. It's a really nice, touching episode. It was. It's a really good episode. Um, and also, it's never referred to again. Um, no, ever. But it, it, refer <laughs> <laughs> it refers but to the figured, cat people. Hey, what? Thirteen seasons later, let's re <laughs> let's redo this. Thirty years later, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, so so thirty years later, here we are, and we're yeah. going back to season one episode. It refers to um, the cat people, a fleet leaving Red Dwarf to seek Fushal, which is yes. their name for the Promised Land, um, which was supposed to be Fiji. Fiji, yeah. <laughs> which is where where Lister wanted to after his tour on Red Dwarf, he wanted yeah. to settle down in Fiji and open a fast food restaurant. And the cats have basically built on this yeah. that Fiji is the promised land full of all the food and drink that they could ever want. Yeah. It's their their perfect afterlife, but it's all based on Lister's original dream, yeah. which he told his cat. Exactly, and that's never really referred to again in the show. Yeah. Um, and the cat people yeah. just 
disappear. So this yeah. sort of addresses some of that. What did you yes. think? I loved it. I thought this was brilliant. Yeah. Um, it, there were some awesome jokes in, yeah. specifically the very first opening scene where you see the cat ships mm -hmm. and they're heading through space. And they just look like uh, five or six ships, yeah. but then when it zooms up over the top, they're all shaped and yeah. they look like a cat face. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I thought this show was really well thought out, had a yeah. good story, mm -hmm. and the jokes just didn't stop. The jokes yeah. were very funny. Yeah. But as I said, there were some really touching points as well. Mm. See, I'm, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was brilliant, but I didn't think it was awful. I thought it had a lot of good ideas in it. I just didn't think it was put together quite so coherently as it could have been. Um, it didn't really go into the cat people as much. Um, I loved it, especially the fact on the, on the cat spaceships where they had cat flaps instead of doors. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, but it didn't really... It didn't satisfy me in terms of uh, what happened to the cat people. Uh, what are the cat people doing? Um, if they were going to follow this up, I'd like to see more of the cat people. Yeah, but you'd, you'd have a, a three-hour show there, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's um, true. But this was this was pretty good. So basically, yeah. the plot is: we've got uh, three refugees who are fleeing from a feral cat king who uh -huh. has taken over all the cats and said that basically, Cloister and Fushal are a myth. Uh, he's now in charge, he's the king, mm -hmm. and everybody bows to him. Yeah. And you've got these three priests who flee. They escape and decide to go back to the, the, their home, which was the Red Dwarf. So yeah. they set course for that. When they get there, of course, they find Lister <laughs> and the rest of the crew. Yeah. But basically, from then on, it's a, <laughs> dare I say, cat and mouse game, <laughs> as they, as Lister and crew are chased by the cat people yeah. to the ultimate conclusion of this story. Yeah. There were some really nice bits in this that mm. I really loved. There was the 2001 skit. Yeah. Where basically they've rebooted Holly because Holly's been missing from the show for a couple of years. So since basically since they rebooted it on Dave, yeah. Yeah. they haven't had Holly. But they find his disc, backup disc, and it's a huge floppy disc, yeah. if you all remember floppy disks. Basically, it's an eight-foot square floppy disk. <laughs> so they boot up Holly, and this time, when they boot up Holly, it's obviously the original version of Holly, and he doesn't recognise them all, decides that Red Dwarf's no longer a member of the Jupiter Mining Corporation, and decides to shut it down. Yeah. So the rest of the crew decide they've got to do something about this, and they go into an airlock where Holly can't hear them to <laughs> yeah, talk about their plans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but of course, which is a nice bit to 2001 when they got into the pods to mm. talk about how. Um, unfortunately, they don't realise Holly can hear everything they're saying. Yeah. And it, that, that is, I thought, a really nice nod to 2001. Mm. There's some really nice bits like that in there. Yeah, it was good to see Norman Lovett back. Um, I think he... It was brilliant to see Norman Lovett back. For me, the, the show really became classic... Red Dwarf when he got his Holly personality back in the yes. second half of the show um, from yeah, then did. on it was just that was my from that point on I was like oh this is great up to that point yeah. I was like yeah it's okay it's it's, it's alright but after that point oh really funny and he, his his bumbling came back really yeah. well you know? <laughs> so I probably shouldn't have done that then when he's talking about firing yeah. missiles <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant when they're trapped on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you're going to have to watch it to understand that entire yeah. thing, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah, he comes back as his bumbling self, and yeah. 
everything that's involved with that. So this supercomputer, which has an IQ of 9,000, mm-hmm. now has an IQ of about minus 50. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what they're dealing with. But mm-hmm. but it's brilliant to see him back and brilliant to see the, the character back. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very well done, the whole show, I thought. Of course, we didn't talk about the fact that um, Holly was played by Hattie Hayridge for just yes. as much of the time as, as Norman Lovitz played him. Because she joined them in... Uh, season three. Season three. Yeah. Uh, she played right up until what was it season eight? No, she was. There was no Holly in season six, seven. Was there not? No. So up to the end of season five, she was in. So she was three. But seasons. she was in season eight because they had Holly again, didn't they? That was that was Norman Lovett. Oh, okay. So she played it just as much as Norman Lovett has, and she did a great job as well. I thought she was really. She good. did do a great job. There were a couple of great episodes in there that centered around the character. Yeah. Especially when they tried to uh, restore her IQ, <laughs> yeah. and it all went <laughs> typically yeah. south. Yeah. On them very quickly. Very good. But I would have been happy with either of them playing Holly uh, at that point. Yeah, but it, it was really nice to see Norman Lovett back. It was good yeah. to see him back. But overall, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was I thought it was very good. Yeah. I know you, you yeah. said it was okay for you, I, but I, I, didn't, I, I didn't dislike it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I would watch it again. Um, it's not my favourite, but I didn't completely dislike it. Um, I thought it was good, and I, I, I would happily watch more of it. This is an SOS distress call. Is anyone out there? Our ship has run out of fuel and we're presently hiding from our feral overlords on a transport vessel called the Iron Stuff. Please help us. We're in great danger. An SOS distress call? I'll try and re-establish a link, sir. Sod them, Crichton. (laughs) We've reached an age now where it's time to enjoy the home comforts and curl up by a winter fire and keep taking our various medications to keep us sprightly. (laughs) Not board derelict ships and have to flee from giant genetically engineered man-eating cheese. (laughs) Well, I'm sure Mr. Lister won't agree with you, sir. Don't tell him, then. In fact, erase all memory of the distress call from your memory. That's an order. Yes, sir. Did you do it? Did I do what, sir? Did you erase the SOS distress call from your memory? We've received an SOS distress call. Damn, why did I say that? Right. Erase all memory of me asking you to erase all memory of the SOS distress call from your memory. That's another order. Yes, sir. Have you? Have I what, sir? Have you just done what I asked you to do? You mean, have I fixed the distortion? Why would I be fixing the distortion? Sir, I think we've received an SOS distress call. Erase that from your memory too, that's another order. Erasing distortion order, sir. What's the last thing you remember? You want me to follow you, sir? How did I get here? We were in the corridor. I knew I needed a service. I think the main thing for me, I think, was that it was probably a few too many ideas I think they could have cut it down to an hour and it would have been funnier probably there was just you're just never happy are you no no I'm not ever the only, the only <laughs> thing the only thing I um I, I was not disappointed with was mm. the music yeah uh, the music was very good but I thought it was used badly it was kind of like in the background yeah. but like it's hard to describe. It was mm. in the background, but not as part of the background. It was yeah. like a separate part of the background. Yeah. So it sounded odd in a couple of places. Mm. Rather than accompaniment, yeah. it sounded like it had been tacked on. Yeah, I didn't notice um, that, to be honest. But in a f- It's only in a few scenes, but it, it did come across as a bit 
Yeah. What, why, have you, why have you done the sound that way? The effects were pretty good overall. I mm. thought that, that some of the effects were done especially well. Yeah. There were a couple that were also looked like they'd be done in a, on an old Amiga. Yeah. <laughs> um, I especially liked when Rimmer w- went into low power mode and he was black and white and his voice <laughs> sounded really like he was recording on, on an old radio station. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was yeah, touch. I liked that as well. Um, yeah. I also liked the, when, the, when his, his light beam was failing and he, they had to put... Um, extension cords mm. on the back of him and he was yeah. trailing these extension cords around the ship yeah some nice <laughs> bits there yeah some very nice bits there yeah there's some nice but, bits. Uh, I, I would like to see more of the cat civilization more well not so much the civilization but i'd like to see that be have been a more of a prominent part of it yeah because we really only saw the the, the priests and the army side yeah of exactly the cat army yeah but um, you know they're working to a budget. They've got to do yeah. something a bit. They can't go full on Star Wars with it. I am. I am assuming on the money that they had. So it no. was. It, At the it end worked. of the day, Dave is not a massive channel that can spend a phenomenal amount on these things. Not at all. But then the point is, if Red Dwarf was done top notch Star Wars style, mm. it would look stupid. Yeah. But because it's the fact that it looks kind of cheap yeah. that makes it funny as well. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you overdid it, you would end up with space balls. Yeah, we've which... got a lot of expensive looking special effects, and then the jokes just stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I yeah. know there's a lot of people out there who like space balls. I'm really not one of them. No, I'm not a fan either. Um, I like Although Mel Brooks, I do but like... I don't like space balls. I like Mel Brooks, mm. but that that was a film that was ten years past the time when it should have been made. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It should have been yeah. made after Star Wars came out. But they thought, you know what, we'll leave it ten years and then bring it out. And you think, yeah. aren't you making jokes about a film that is so old now? It's you've missed talk about missing the point. That's like coming back in the room four hours later and going, Hang on, hang on, I have got to come back to what you said. It just, <laughs> just it's pointless. So uh no, I'm not a big fan of Spaceballs. No. And it just oh but Red Dwarf works because it's well written. And they don't spend so much money on it that it detracts from the jokes. Yeah, exactly. And the jokes are the thing. So what is it? I've never seen one before. No one has, but I'm guessing it's a white hole. A white hole? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. A black hole sucks time and matter out of the universe. A white hole returns it. Is that thing spewing time back into the universe? Precisely. That's why we're experiencing these curious time phenomena on board. So what is it? I've never seen one before. No one has, but I'm guessing it's a white hole. A white hole? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. A black hole sucks time and matter out of the universe. A white hole returns it. Is that thing spewing time back into the universe? Precisely. That's why we're experiencing these curious time phenomena on board. What time phenomenon? Like just then, when time repeated itself. So what is it? <laughs> Only joking. Like we said before, yeah. the characters is what makes this show. Definitely, yeah. So, and I think the characters were there. Um, I mean, the, the actors do a brilliant job because basically it is a script-orientated show rather than a visual show. Yeah. So the fact that they spend so much time on the script getting it right and getting yeah. the performances just right yeah. sell this show rather than spang these special effects. I still find it amazing that they can do the characters and they are the same characters regardless of what they look like Crichton I'm sure robots aren't supposed to put weight on but you know Crichton looks a lot wider than when he was in the you original could series drop them into any series and they would the characters are the same they're acted yeah. the same they're behaving it's, it's the written same. so well that yeah. they could just jumble all these up and you probably wouldn't notice excellent so let's leave that there my verdict is 
it was good. I enjoyed it. wasn't great. Not my favourite, but I enjoyed it. My verdict is, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. thought it was brilliant. There were some very sentimental bits in it that I really enjoyed because you know I like a good cry at things. You do. You and there were a couple of scenes where, like when um, Lister is explaining to Rimmer how much he needs him <laughs> without saying he needs yeah. him. Yeah, that's that's a nice bit. Yeah, and there are some really nice bits in there that make you sort of well up a tiny bit. Mm. But um, overall, very very funny. I enjoyed the hell out of yeah. it. Recommended, I think. If you if you like Red yeah. Dwarf, you should definitely watch it. I think you'll get a lot. If you like Red Dwarf, you're gonna love this because mm. there's not nothing in this that isn't iconic Red Dwarf. Yeah. If you're in trouble, he will save the day. He's brave and he's fearless, come what may Without him the mission would go astray He's Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Rimmer Without him life would be much grimmer He's handsome, trim and no one slimmer He will never need a zimmer He's Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Rimmer More reliable than a garden strimmer He's never been mistaken your brinner, he's not bald and his head doesn't glimmer. Master of the wit and the repartee, his command of space directives is uncanny. How come he's such a genius? Don't ask me. Ask Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Rimmer, he's also a fantastic swimmer. And if you play your cards right, then he just might come round for dinner. They fade us out before we get to Schlimmer Play out, you stupid flimmer So that's Red Dwarf in a nutshell Basically we we haven't so much as reviewed the new episode as bored you to death (laughs) about the previous Red Dwarf show if you didn't, if you didn't know anything about Red Dwarf, hope you know a little bit now. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't interested, sorry to have wasted your time. Okay, so what are we doing next week, Simon? Well, I don't know. A number of possibilities, I suppose. Yep. Well, I'm not going to let you uh, go into any of them because I think we should do one of my all-time favourite albums. Yeah. Which is David Devant's work, Love Life, Miscellaneous. Ah, oh, his first album. Excellent. His first album. We right. both went oh. to see him on the tour of this album, didn't we? we did. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. And it's an interesting album. Most people, I imagine, will not be aware mm-hmm. of this particular artist. So that's a very good reason to listen to next week's show. Excellent. Well, I look forward to listening to that over this week. It's been a while since I've heard it, actually, but it is one of my favourite albums, actually. So it's about high time I listen to it again. Cool. Well, in which case, I'm going to leave you for this week um, and say goodbye, listeners. Stay safe. If you want to contribute to the running of the podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, search for the Revelation Station on there and you can donate money. If you would like to send us any feedback, please do so to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. All feedback gratefully received. But until then, stay safe, everybody. Keep talking. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Now do the music. You don't. No, 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 no. no. Actually, play the music. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fool.